Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Y'all, I am so, so excited about this guest. Sarah and I have wanted her on the podcast for a very long time. And she's finally here. Sarah, unfortunately is not. <laughs> She's still on mat leave. But we got Erin Parsons. Erin Parsons, for those of you who may not be familiar, is an epic makeup artist. She has been in the fashion and beauty industry for over 20 years, which seems impossible because when you look at her, you're like, babe, there's no way you started this career at the ripe age of 15. But Maybe she did. <laughs> so Erin is Maybelline's global makeup artist. She has worked with renowned supermodels. Name them. Giselle, Gigi Hadid, Bella Hadid, Jordan Dunn, Adriana Lima, any Victoria's Secret model, basically. Kendall Jenner, Kate Upton, so many. She's been in every fashion editorial. She She's done it all. She has such a unique approach to beauty. She got on TikTok and started sharing her love of makeup history and how she's learned how they made makeup back in the day and how they wore their makeup. She's bought Marilyn Monroe's actual makeup products from auction. She is a wealth of information and if you're not following her, you should be because all of her videos are truly informative and incredible. She's doing it better than so many makeup artists are in the way that her content is so unique and fun. I love, love, love watching her. She's captivating, mesmerizing, informative, gorgeous, all of the things. So we're gonna talk about how she got here, her childhood, how she came to love classic movies and makeup, studying under Dame Pat McGrath, how she procures her vintage makeup items, what people may not know about Marilyn Monroe and her makeup looks, what they might misunderstand about her, brands that she wishes were still on the market today, or products rather, what we can take away from vintage makeup and utilized to this day. So many fun answers come from Erin and I think y'all are going to love, absolutely love this interview because I surely did. Erin Parsons <laughs> looking I. like a vision. <laughs> Thank you. Is that Marilyn Monroe? Who <laughs> is, I mean, honestly, <laughs> truly the most incredible makeup, incredible hair. Is that a wig? Is that your hair? No, this is my hair, actually. <gasps> I need to get the roots touched up. But when you need a root touch up, just make it big so you don't see any of that part there. <laughs> just oh cover it all. I never so know funny. because you play with your hair so much that sometimes I'm like, oh, wait, is that her natural hair color? What's her natural hair length? So it's, yeah. I love that it's blonde and it's just big and curly. Yeah, I have my wig wall all over here. Actually, I think I can show you real quick. Oh my god, that cool? that's incredible! And then I have another. I, I have wigs upon wigs upon wigs. It's like I'm worse than a drag queen, I think. But yeah, I I love switching it up. But I've been in this blonde moment, so I appreciate that. Of course, it's inspired by Marilyn. Always, everything is always. And we're gonna get <laughs> yeah. into a Marilyn um, shortly. But first, I want to know what's on your face. Oh, what's on my face now? Okay, this is, so I get sent PR all the time, yep. of course, um, which I feel very blessed to get. Um, I'm just trying new stuff. So I like have it all here in the boxes. And I do want to talk about it because I actually really, really like it. And I feel like, uh, I don't think there's filters on this thing, but I, I feel like I look pretty damn good right now. You look I think incredible. it might be this combo. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> So this is the Guerlain Terracotta Latente, and I just got sent this. Ooh. And I, I've, I've tried it, I tried it like three days ago, and I was like, oh, I actually like this. And it's so funny, the way I put it on was I took like a sponge and I just like wiped it kind of quick, like not like padded, not just like a wipe. Ooh. That's it. And it gave just the right amount of coverage and ratings. I, I really like this. I do want to talk about it um, on my Instagram. And then the new Natasha Denona concealers. Yes. I haven't tried yeah, them, but I they agree. look amazing. Oh, well, she sent me every single color here. So if you need anything, I can... 
try and send them I all match me. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. She has like 50 colors. But what I like about it is there's a lot of like pink and peachy undertones. So a lot of, I find a lot of foundations and concealers are way too yellow or too yes. orange these days. Yes. Yeah. I never get the like pinky peachy undertones. And, and I feel like that, that tends to be a bit more vintage. So she has a lot of that. So I have like three of them here. I've been playing with like from a light to medium to dark. Um, that's just my foundation, but it, I, I'm going to show you two other things because I, I actually okay. really like what I'm wearing and I kind of want to talk about it. It's just so Please random. Please do. I mean, I keep staring at your lashes. Oh, what are the lashes? So you have to tell me what those are, at least, at the very least. I have them here and I cut them. Kiss Bear Affair. I don't know if you can see that. No way. And I cut like, so I only use like, usually I count to four. So I'll, I'll just use the inner corner and put it on the very end. Mm, it's easiest, quick, always looks good. Oh, great <laughs> hack. Yeah. It's just so much easier than putting on a full strip. I'm sorry, my Agreed. headphones keep wanting to fall out. The other thing no, it's okay. is these are, I keep, I talked about these in YouTube video, but I keep going back to them. The Armani blushes. They're beautiful. And, and I put them over, I didn't put, I didn't put powder on at first. I put them over the foundation, like a powder on top of a wet foundation, which you think would go terribly wrong. It was amazing. These are amazing. They're probably so freaking expensive and they were sent to me. I'm not gonna lie, but they are amazing. I love them. What shades are those? Okay, this is number 51 is the main one, but um, I started with number 60, which is kind of a deep color, but they're sort of sheer. They're very buildable. Beautiful. I really like them. And I, and I think it's because a lot of blushes, they get a little patchy. Like those Charlotte Tilbury ones everyone loves. I can't, yeah, I can't. I, I love a lot of Charlotte's stuff, yeah. but the the blushes get patchy on me. Oh Actually, I feel God. like I can't get enough color almost. That's exactly right. They end up in patches on my face. They don't blend very nicely. Yeah, that's what was happening to me. I was like, if you maybe if you have absolutely no makeup on and you put it on bare skin with moisturizer, I kind of feel like that would work better. But every time I put it on foundation, it gets very patchy and not much color. So I, I don't know what everybody's raving about. I think they're lying because I didn't like those blushes. <laughs> But I will say this product went viral on Instagram, the Revlon, the Revlon um, Shine. It, I bought this on Amazon, Beaming Strawberry, and I'm just like, I cannot get enough of this. And it's like, mm -hmm. what? It's like a Revlon, so it's cheap. Oh, so my God. I'm going to go get that. I'm excited. Yeah. And it looks really so gorge. I it's love so that. It's just, I just, yeah, I've been carrying it in my purse, so. So that's what I have on my face. <laughs> oh my God. You look truly just like a vision. I I want you to come to LA or next time I'm in New York, like I want you to do my makeup just so I can see what I can look like. You should come on to my YouTube channel and I'll turn you into a character, whoever you want to be. Don't tell me twice. I will take you up on that. I will. Erin, okay. I loved that breakdown. I'm definitely going to try the lash hack. That's so brilliant. Taking the inner corner and putting it on the outer. So smart. So smart. Because I have my eye shape mm -hmm. is so interesting that like if I put it too close to the inner corner, like the entire lash, it just looks like a spider. It doesn't look it doesn't look natural, you know? Yeah, this is like an easy way to just lift the eye and it takes absolutely no effort. And you can pull these off and just keep reusing them if you don't put your mascara on top of them. It's just like I do it with Demi Wispies. I do it's like what I actually Marilyn. It's what Marilyn did. And I know this because I own her lash. Erin owns so much Marilyn memorabilia. I, I cannot wait to ask you all about this. But first, I was reading that growing up, your childhood shaped your love of classic movies and then makeup. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? I would just love to know like the inner workings of your head as a uh, baby Erin. Yeah. Well, I, I just remember it was not, a, I did not have an easy childhood. I don't know any other way to say it. I don't want to get too deeply into it, but it was pretty horrible. And, and I kind of like used makeup as an escape, but even at like six years old. So I remember seeing Marilyn Monroe and being like, wow, who's this glamorous like creature? And I would see her on the old movies. So then I'd get to, I'd just watch only old movies. And so then I'd see like Joan Crawford, Amanda Dietrich, Josephine Baker. And I just like, oh my God, what is this world? It was a totally escape dream fantasy world for me. And it literally shaped who I am today, clearly, because I still love vintage. Yep. And I was so inspired by these women and how they did their makeup that it taught me how to do makeup because I would try to sort of recreate their looks on myself. Even hair, like trying to do Josephine's hair, taught me kind of how to do hair. Wow. So these wonderful, glamorous icons 
not only like well, I'm escaped, they really shaped my my future and um and and it taught me how to do do makeup and I that's still incredible. to this day that's why I I want I like to find and collect as much as I can from these old Hollywood icons it's like makes them human to me in a way when you go out in public do people stop and stare at you like I feel like people <laughs> probably think of you as this vision of another time if you went out the way you look right now which y'all she looks like it's like Marilyn <laughs> reincarnate it's crazy I feel like you must be gawked at all the time in New York you know it's really funny because like for this I knew obviously we're doing an interview normally you know I'm very eccentric and I'll wear really crazy hair and sparkly and tons of makeup and for this I was like let me just be a little more natural so it's so cute that you're giving me these amazing compliments because I actually feel like the softest version of myself it's probably the pretty version because I tend to like to be more weird in a way but I feel I, this is like would if I just want to feel pretty this is kind of the look that that I would throw together it's it's simple and it's quick but um nobody looks because it's New York City and we see the craziest shit here so no one cares right. and I've gone out with like these crazy hearts all over my my hair was shaped and lashes out to here and glitter from head to toe and no one cares I'm telling you <laughs> New York is so jaded but if I when I went out I was in Texas for a, a, a perfume convention and I did the same you know I was very um like a Phyllis Diller sort of looking character. <laughs> and I, if anyone knows that reference, yep. and I went to the bar after my presentation to have a drink and like all the people were like, so what, what's going on? Like, why, why are you dressed up like this? And I'm like, I don't know, I've always dressed like this. Like they really thought it was a weirdo. But then I'm like looking at them, like they're just like in a, you know, in a, in just like a dark suit. And I, I thought like, I guess it would be wild for them to see someone like this, but yeah, New York, nothing. Okay, so Erin, you studied under Pat McGrath which I'm sure you get asked about a lot. I'm curious what you learned from Pat and how, I feel like when you're a makeup artist and you're being mentored by someone like her, you're also trying to find your own path. Like you're not trying to copy and paste what Pat McGrath did. What did you learn from her? And then also how did you decide that you wanted to develop your own personal style? Yeah, I, in the beginning, actually, like you really, when you're assisting Pat, you're learning everything from her. She, she's definitely like, you see her doing this or the, even all the, cause there was a lot of assistants working with Pat, you know, like we would do the shows. You have some really major people that are, that are major on their own would work under Pat. So you got to learn from them. So in the first couple of years, it was like my, my specialty was beauty makeup. And she knew that because I think uh, maybe I had done was it Candace Swanepoel or I don't know, but it was like, she, it was like the Victoria's Secret girls. I, I, that was sort of my thing. She knew I could nail beauty, which is not a surprise because it was the vintage girls that I learned from, you know, so that I got. So she, that was sort of my specialty. So if there was a, like a beauty thing, she could put me on that to do that makeup. But all the creative stuff, I basically learned from watching her and watching the assistants and learning that shows. Then as you go on, you as a makeup artist, me too, with your assistants, you have to trust them to help you. So if there's a lot of times, especially nowadays, there's like 10 models on set and you're like, oh my God, you need to know who does the best eyebrows, who does the best eyeliner, who's perfect at shaping lips, who's good at skin. Everybody has their specialty. And so she knew I was good at beauty. And then I started to really learn the creative stuff. So a lot of the stuff that I did with Pat, like even that, that eye look on her shirt, I actually created that look underneath pat yeah because we were at a it was for margella it was a margella look and we were at the show and so when you test the looks he brings out the uh, references and then we all of us assistants and you know including pat we'd like design looks and sometimes we put something on we take away and then in, in the end that's what it ended up so yeah actually that was that look was my design but it, it, it not my credit because it would have never happened had i not one learned from pat to been on the show of margella with pat Right. She makes you a great makeup artist that can help her. That's why we are assistants. And I do the same now with my assistants. I, I had to teach my assistants how to do lashes on a Maybelline shoot because you can't retouch. No one could do lashes but me. It was kind of so intense that finally I was like, after years of them learning, they now can do that. So I, I don't have to take it all on because it's a lot of work. And right. it's just something as simple as that. But that, that's that's that, what's so great about when you assist somebody is you you – you learn their techniques, but then back to your second part of your question, you really have to distance yourself to to um, become your own. Like, what is what is it that you do? What is it your character? Because you'll end up just con 
repeating what you learned right. and repeating the looks you did. Like I did this major blue look on a Margiela show and I kept using that color in my work after I left her. And then it just looks like I'm copying Pat. It, so you have to sort of, it takes years to distance yourself from assisting to, to find your own voice. And if I'm being honest, I almost feel more so that I found my voice through TikTok and social media. I agree. I agree. Obviously, <laughs> I knew you and I loved your work, but I didn't really know how devoted you were to vintage makeup and especially like the history of makeup. You know what I mean? Like you are a true historian in so many ways. Uh, why don't we just get right into that? You want to open a museum at some point with everything that you have procured over the years. I'm curious, can you talk about when you first started? Like, do you remember what year you started collecting? And then, like, how do you procure these items? Because, I mean, you're, like, going to auction and and getting some of these. But, like, early on in your career, or I guess early on in your procuring these these artifacts, essentially – how are you even getting them? Well, when I first, what I first started collecting was when I moved to, actually before I moved to New York, I, I had a big book collection and you collect references. So I, I yeah, so I started collecting that uh, uh, books at first and then books then led into vintage magazines. So vintage bows, I have some back from like the 1890s. And then, I, you know, I started to then collect photo play magazines. So everything started actually with the history first. And, and and it was for years I always collected books and I didn't quite I sometimes see vintage compacts and things. I know Lisa Eldridge, she would talk about stuff, but you didn't really know like, oh wow, like that's so cool. It, it wasn't that I was looking to be a collector or, you know, even kind of knew it was a thing. Also it's a very expensive hobby. So I didn't have money until I like left Pat and signed with Maybelline. I was still on an assistant <laughs> salary in New York City. <laughs> so I didn't really start collecting actual makeup compacts and things until like 2017. So it wasn't that long ago. Wow. Yeah. And it was, it was um, when it started, I got all the books first, the compact collector's books. So then I would, I could understand, oh, maybe, you know, if I could find that one. Also, it was Maybelline actually and Marilyn Monroe was the first two things because I wanted to know what lipstick Marilyn wore and I was able to find it at an auction. It had already been sold, but it led me down a rabbit hole of like, oh, Revlon's Bachelor's Carnation. Anyway, it just turned into a whole thing and here I am today. Maybelline, I was like, can I find that Maybelline cake mascara from the 1920s? You know, they launched in 1916. Mm -hmm. Then now I own, now I found every single product, you know, from this time. So it becomes a manic thing that you become pretty obsessed with. If you find one, well, how many are there? Oh, now I've got to complete the collection. And that's what ends up happening. So it's it's been only since like 2017, I've had like almost 5,000 pieces. Oh my God. I mean, yes, you should open a museum. That would be incredible. And, and it could be, I mean, a true experience. You know, I'm sure you've been to the Max Factor Museum here in LA. Mm -hmm. And I loved going there. I thought it was really interesting to see the different rooms and, and just learn more about like how studios operated at that point, you know, because so many people don't realize that actors and actresses were employed by the studios, you know, like mm -hmm. you, you had your salary and you were committed to doing this many films with that particular studio. Um, yeah, that's and, and, and so like, good. Isn't that so fun? Like, I love that type of history about L.A. especially and, and yeah. film in general. Just like how the ecosystem worked. I love Hollywood. I love L.A. As a matter of fact, if I left New York City, I would move to L.A. first. This is one of my favorite places in the world. And because I grew up on this Hollywood idea. And I really, I know a lot of people were sort of against the studio heads and how they went about things. But we have these stars because there were people behind it creating this character and this and this this changing names what's the best you know nose job color for the lips how do you shape this the hair style you know and it's really interesting to to see how all of these stars became a totally different character than you know themselves right <laughs> i mean that's really what they were selling at that point you know it wasn't so much authenticity of like oh this person was so real that's what i relate to it's like this image yeah, you can come to LA and you can see the places, you know, some of them are still around. Some of them are like now banks or something. But like you can see where these actors and actresses went to get their hair done or like, ch you know, change their entire wardrobe. Mm -hmm. It's crazy too. plastic surgery was a thing, but you don't think about how far back plastic surgery actually goes when you're when yeah. you're like thinking of it in relative terms. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's really cool. 
<laughs> you have a ton of vintage makeup, clearly. Is there anything that you think that we need to learn from the past in terms of the makeup that you have been able to procure? A few things. I think we make too much of product. I think a lot of things like in the 1920s, 1930s, they're very small. Because if you think like how many lipsticks do you actually own? I probably have thousands, but I'm a makeup artist, so it makes sense. But like, will I ever go through an entire tube of lipstick? Probably never. And that's all. That's a lie. There is one shade. I'm going to mention it. Maybelline's baddest beige shine compulsion is my favorite nude of all times. And I actually use the entire tube and I have a new one. It's from here. Ooh. <laughs> I always keep my drawer. I think actually, yep. This is my, my second one. This is my, fav- my oh, favorite Oh, I one. can't wait to go to the drugstore <laughs> after this and pick up all of your drugstore recommendations. <laughs> so there's, yes, now there's one, one lip product, you know, but I, I think, you know, if we made things smaller and I also think less plastic, mm. I think refillable, sustainable, like they used to do back in the day would be, and we're starting, I can see it starting to head there. I think that would be, really great um the other thing was uh, lost it left me it left me it's okay (laughs) yeah it'll come back to you like down the line i i love that i i think everything is cyclical Uh, i work in media so i'm starting to see how the digital internet age of how we used to write you know three five six years ago is dead and the way that we grew up reading magazines and how you wrote for a magazine is starting to come back. And people want to seek out unique voices. And that's why they're paying subscriptions for newsletters and like more top tier elevated type content versus like 86 ways to use coconut oil on your body or you know what I mean? Like things ebb and flow. And I think like you said, we're now starting to see the more sustainable side of beauty, but also like making products look beautiful in a way that you do want to refill them. You don't want to throw them away. You want to keep them for a long time. And I really love that you touched on how much because I will spend hundreds of dollars at Sephora or Ulta or wherever I walk into those beauty on the go when you're in the line, like waiting to check out and everything's travel size. Oh, yeah. I will pick, like without fail, pick up something from there. And I actually enjoy it because I like working through, like the I love Lennar's Radiant Creamy Concealer. I probably have three or four of those little tiny Mm. travel size ones. And it's so gratifying once you hit the end of it. Because you're like, oh, I got through it and I can move on. Yeah, it's very rare to go through a full product these days, except for the really those favorites. Maybe, you know, a lot of people out there, they, they're like, oh, no, I have one, one favorite lipstick and that's all I wear. And well, I wish I lived that life sometimes because <laughs> I, it's so insane the amount of stuff I have. But I do think, yeah, I think it would be really cool. You know, there's like sampler kits or you know, there's just other ways to, to do things that's just not so much waste. And I think, you know, when you talk about like things being cyclical, um we we see beauty trends come and go and you you will see something like the clean era was happening in the 70s and was also happening in the in the you know early 1900s and you will see this over and over again like right there's not much that that is really new as far as as, as beauty goes i i do want to touch on um something that you mentioned earlier where you know when you're working on a maybelline ad they can't retouch the lashes. And I remember seeing a video, I think it was around Lashgate on TikTok, where you were talking about, you either tried the product, the mascara, or you were talking about how in your line of work, they can't digitally alter uh, the ad without disclosing it, I guess, in some way. Can you elaborate on that for a little, uh, for our listeners who may not have seen that video? Yeah, so I think it was 2017, there started to be some implementation of, of you can't use false lashes, obviously, unless you say you have to write at the bottom, like we've added inserts. So Maybelline started to phase out, like if they were to use false eyelashes, and, and they would write that, you know, we're using inserts, but they wanted to be more real about it. So they started to then like phase out the false lashes, but maybe you were still allowed to do a little bit of retouching, then they, then they were like, um, you can't even retouch anything. Uh, or yeah, I think it's it, it. It became where Maybelline wanted to show even the skin are they're mostly not retouching. It, it it all became about realness, and we basically had to shoot things in a way that the lashes should look perfect, you know, to show the mascara and what the mascara can do. 
but this is how it will really look on you. Obviously, I'm there like trying to, you know, comb through every lash and make it look amazing and doing the lash curl and all that, you know, but we're not using false lashes. We don't use false lashes. There is no editing on the lashes. Sometimes they may take out a blemish or something on the face. I think with lighting, they're allowed to lighten and darken, but they're not physically allowed to do any Photoshop to the lashes. So that mascara that you're getting is going to, that, what you see in the picture is what you're going to get. Wow. You remember back in the day, those huge false lashes they used to put in the ads and you were like, yeah, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> get a grip. Like, come on, get a grip, get real. Or like the hair commercials yeah. where it's like, okay, she has like 18 tape in extensions in her head. Like be yeah. real, be yeah. real. The video though that you posted, you were like, this is how I do my mascara when I'm on set to like make it look perfect. My jaw was on the effing floor. It looked, ex <laughs> it looked exactly like the ads. It was the most beautiful application that your lashes looked perfect that video did gangbusters for you right like that i remember like seeing the views on it going oh my god like every single person on tiktok has seen this video at this point and you know it's, it's so silly because if i had showed that video without the sort of drama in the beginning i don't think anybody would have even watched but you know people act like they don't want drama but that now it has 27 million views so right figure actually it wasn't even sort of drama it was more just like kind of, you know, sharing like, well, if you can use false lashes as an influencer, but we're not allowed to use false lashes as a brand and as a makeup artist, you know, or maybe she didn't, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know in the end what Michaela did, I right. don't get into it. But but I thought, you know, just in the spirit of positivity, here is a way to give yourself the best lash you can with just mascara and a few tools. And this is how I do it. And that is how I do it, you know, curl the lash really well, comb through while you're on set, you know, but I'm I'm there if the model turns and a lash sticks together, I'm jumping in and I'm combing through. Right. You know, but like, who is gonna see an eyelash this big in real life? But that's, <laughs> that's how we, you know, film it. Oh my god, the macro shots. It's in and, and I, I will say in a way, it's kind of hard nowadays, because, you know, I love the fantasy of the past. And you didn't have high definition. So everyone looks like their skin is utterly perfect. But now all of a sudden, when the real like the street models are in the real people are in now everyone's going, well, we don't want any filters. And we don't we want to make sure that we see your pores and we want to see no retouching. And it's like, wait, so all the supermodels of the past got all that retouching and looked fabulous and perfect. And now the real people being the models now we've got it now you want to see what we really look like. Yeah. I want a little fantasy. I'm sorry. Like, give me the freaking fantasy. I've got like 30 lights around me right now. Like, I <laughs> you're not going to see me in shitty lighting. <laughs> so I'm I'm 45. I've talked about it. Erin, yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's not natural, and it never will be, <laughs> and it never will be. And I, I'm not afraid to say that, you know, I, I, I also, I don't have children, you know, I might spend the money on my hair or my face or whatever, or a vintage collection. But I just think, you know, it's more, I know a lot of people say, oh, society standards, but this really goes down to human biology. I mean, a, a, a woman who looks young is fertile and she right. can have children and it all goes back to Neanderthal shit. And it's not something we're ever going to be able to change nowadays. And People, again, we go into like beauty standards. And totally. like I just said, like everything that we've seen in the past has been a filtered version of what we think it is. And now all of a sudden we have HD cameras and I'm supposed to show you every one of my wrinkles and pores. I don't think so. Like I'm going to feel my best. I'm going to live my fantasy and I'm probably right. going to look this way for mostly the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I will do the faceless. I will do the, not because I feel like society's precious because I, I, I want to, I like this. I'm happy with this. I want this. <laughs> That's my point. I think that women that do want it are faulted in a way. Like, well, why yeah. can't you just accept that like you are getting older and it's like, it's my prerogative to feel how I want to feel about myself. You also haven't lived my life. You haven't wa walked through my shoes. You don't know perhaps like I had lost my entire childhood basically. So my life didn't even start until I was almost 30. So I don't even, mm. I couldn't even enjoy my twenties. So now I have worked my whole life, really started working when I was 13 to make money because I had to. And by the time I was 40, I looked in the mirror and I was like, okay, now I have money. I have success, right? I've worked my whole life to get here, but I don't even recognize myself anymore. I look mm. tired. I am tired, yes. you know? And I was, I talked about how I got the eye surgery before on the top and bottom. That was life-changing for me. The bags under my eyes, I was just like not ready for that. I hadn't even started my life and I just got to to a place where I finally feel I can enjoy everything that I've done. 
And then I'm like, not happy with the way that I look. And I said, well, I'm going to change it. So now all the money that I made will go back into my face. <laughs> so it seems kind of counterintuitive, but here we are. I actually just wrote a story for Allure about how I feel like when it comes to women 40 plus, skincare and hair has really like embraced that demographic. But like for makeup, it's all Gen Z. Like all they want to do is like promote or cater to Gen Z in terms of advertising in a way. They're missing out on a huge demographic. I read something recently that women 50 plus are like single-handedly the ones like fueling the beauty industry. Like they buy more than any other demo. This leads me to my next question for you, which is do you think that at a certain age, you have to start using different makeup products. Do you think that like there are some things you can change about your makeup routine that actually help embrace your skin as you age? You know, I have to say, just going back to that too, like it's just funny to see like a 13 year old being like, this is like the my favorite moisturizer that I use. And you're kind of like, yeah. dang, <laughs> like that is wild. <laughs> like your skin is perfect. You're a child, right. you're a baby. But you know, I, I think I kind of started using moisturizer when I, when I was probably like 16 or something. So it's great to take care of your skin early, but you don't want to do all those actives when you're, when you're young. You're, I was doing really harsh, like the exfoliants. I was buying $700 like Biologique Recherche. Like you talk about us in the 40s and 50s like fueling the beauty industry i mean i was spending thousands of dollars every single month on my skincare and i i'm just gonna put this out there because i use a brand called derma Vigils, which is i just use now a um cleanser very uh gentle cleanser a spray toner that's like a moisturizing toner and then a moisturizer and eye cream that's it that's it sometimes i might use vitamin c yeah, serum maybe but like i used to do like literally like 10 steps at least every single night. I was like, this is making me crazy and in the morning. But I think simplifying, not over exfoliating, not being right. like over aggressive with your skin. Think about when you're a child that you don't do all these things and your skin looks great. And then all of a sudden we get older and we're starting to put all these harsh products on our face. I think we're doing too much. So I, I think simplify it. Um, by the way, that's right. skincare. You can't buy it anywhere. You have to get it through an esthetician. So I, I don't I, I don't get anything out of talking about it. Oh, I just okay. think it it's a, probably like a Cetaphil, but like <laughs> at an esthetician's world. Um, but are there different things that yeah. you have to do? when you get older. And I, I think it's, you, I wouldn't say you have to change your makeup in a way. Cause if, as I look at someone like Joan Collins and she still kind of packs it on and she looks fabulous, you know, but what I've noticed with my skin is, is less product on the foundation, like doing less, especially like if I'm doing a video and I'm filming, I can pack it on. You'll never know because I'm in perfect lighting. But if you met me in person, it would look horrendously thick and cakey probably. We have kind of learned from the beauty gurus of the YouTube era who were really packing it on, but they're also very young. Now that everyone's starting to show their like natural skin texture, you start to see, oh, it actually doesn't look so smooth, you know? So I think one thing to learn is at nighttime, you can get away with a bit more. Um, you know, that's my, probably when like sparkle and all those things work really well. If you're somebody who sits in front of a camera and you're filming, you've got all the lights, you can get away with a lot of makeup. But if it's daytime and you're meeting people, um, you can wear whatever makeup you want, but I find that in the daytime is when I want to just put on a very light, kind of a tinted moisturizer type of effect, dot spot conceal. I just think on the skin, go less. I don't think it matters if you're doing matte or you're doing radiant or, you know, I think it's more so about maybe like kind of using less product and not packing it on and just in like really letting your beautiful skin shine no matter what the texture is no matter what you know this coloration blah 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 and play up a feature that you love because that's what people will focus their eyes on does that help <laughs> yes yes so you obviously are inspired by Marilyn who isn't what do you think people get wrong about Marilyn in general based on your years of research, A, and B, what do they get wrong about her beauty routine? Well, I mean, for one, I think like there's this, especially because of that terrible movie Blonde, like they think that they've made Marilyn out to be this like horribly depressed, you know, uh, sex obsessed. It's kind of gross. It's like clearly like, you know, she came from nothing. And so she she worked to get somewhere, whether she used her body or her face to it, her advantage. I mean, she didn't have any other advantage. So maybe that is something that she but I think that they made it. To, people think that she was this like, 
I don't know. I think that she, she, she had, there should have been some good things and light shown about her. But I think as far as the beauty routine, I think what we get wrong, including me, I have in the past is we tend to think of her as a little bit more of a mask, you know, this like really intensely heavy sort of look and actually everything was quite soft. And when I, and I know the makeup that she actually used, cause I've seen it all at auction and I found it in pictures and I do own some of it. You know, it was mostly brown eyeliners, not this heavy black, you know, drawn on liner. The lashes weren't a big, thick, you know, long lash. Most of the time, it was just a little half lash on the end. Or if it was, it was like a three quarters lash, very sort of wispy and long, not a heavy, heavy coat of mascara. It was like a one coat. You know, she did these things. Even I've read where she would put the foundation on and wipe most of it off. So the foundation wasn't super heavy. Um the lipstick most of the time was orange. <laughs> and I, I know this for a fact. I have done like 10 years of research on it. I have a long video on YouTube about it. It's really fascinating. We know her for that iconic red, but she, that was kind of very early 50s. And then it ended up being mostly orange or, you know, very like lighter colors. So I just think what we get wrong sometimes is that we just, we well, like anything, you do this sort of caricature of the way you think of somebody. So you go, okay, red lip, blonde hair, beauty mark, white dress. And that's sort of cool because she's a character. But if you wanted to do real Marilyn, if you want to understand her beauty and like really understand like on yourself, then it's it's sort of reshaping things without actually putting on as much as you think. It's actually a lot softer and, and glowing. <laughs> I could talk about it for days. <laughs> so you won some of Marilyn's mm-hmm. products from mm-hmm. auction, which is crazy. And when Blonde came out, I did do some, like, digging to see, because I interviewed the hair and makeup team for that film. And I wanted to know, like, did they use any of the original brands that, you know, are they even still around? And I'm curious, are there any brands that you have collected over the years that you wish still existed or that you think were just completely revolutionary for the time? Mm. Well, like a lot of the really interesting compacts, like Richard Hudnut and uh, Henriette made some really, they're just very like, either they're intricate. So you ha- you have like your powder, your rouge, mon- mundane compacts have like eyeshadow, mascara, lip liner, like it's all a little travel kit, but the way that it's done, it kind of looks quite chic and sort of art deco. And, and like, it's beautiful to look at, not like a plastic caboodles type of thing. Um I love like when there's kind of an all in one, like small lipstick, rouge, powder. Um, I love very like fun, creative compacts, like especially things that are figural. So like a thing shaped like a chair, which it makes no sense. It would just sit there <laughs> or like things like hand shape and they're just so beautiful. And so they would be really expensive now. They were expensive then, but it was something that you put on your vanity or if you did carry in your handbag, when you pulled it out, you had this beautiful like piece to show off. And then you, of course you'd refill the powders. I don't know if it's necessarily the brands, but I guess I, I would love to see those kinds of things implemented. Like, you know, as I came out with the, the penis lipstick. Oh, I was just going to ask you about Yeah. It's kind of like absurd, but it's also like, um, that's a piece, yeah, that you, you want to sit on your vanity, you know, and it is very expensive, but it, it, it's, a, it's a piece that you kind of want to keep and, and look at. I don't know. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I call it the dick stick. I want a dick stick. stick that I can yeah. wear, like pull it out. It's a conversation piece. You know, it I'm is. even thinking like Valentino Beauty, even though it's like mm. plastic, it's not like it doesn't have a heaviness to it. But I do love just like how beautiful this compact is. And then on the sides, you can connect it to a little chain. So you're just carrying it at all times. I love yes, that it, element of it, too. That So that is actually called a it's like a miniadier. It's always I can never really pronounce it, but it looks like it's spelled mini Audier. Okay. And that bag was very common in the past. In the 1920s, you would have wristlets or, you know, just any kind of chain or even on a finger chain. And exactly like that, it would be your little compact, your lipstick, you know, whatever else was inside. You could go do the Charleston and dance with this little chain on. Yeah. So yeah. The, the Valentino is very cool that they did that because that is literally drawing from the past. And I, I love to see it. Um, I thought I thought it was really cute. They also did ones where it was like, fun covers um like uh you know it's all on ebay i've seen them but they're just like you'd want to wear them out you want to show them off and i think that's really cool pay a little extra but have a piece you want to keep you know i i didn't touch on this when we were talking about your collection but um you know i keep mentioning mentioning that you won at auction 
if somebody if somebody's looking to get legitimate makeup history, what should where should they look? Like, can you get that on eBay? Like, how you authenticate that? Like, what is there any tips that you've learned over the years you want to share? I mean, it goes back to the book. So okay. when I started to collect, I got the books first because it. There are people out there. There's a book that I really love. I think it's it's Ladies Compacts by Rosalind Gerson. And she's passed now, but she was like the holy grail collector of all collectors as far as like compacts go. So she wrote a book, a few books on them. So if you were to start collecting compacts or there's like a book about lipsticks, you, you can, I would get that first because then you can go, oh, I really love the shape of that particular compact. I'm going to look and see what's out there and what you want to look for. You really can't replicate these things. So it's not like you're going to necessarily get them. They wouldn't really be faked. I mean, there's a few things out there, but, but mostly no, you kind of can't replicate them. What I would look for is mint condition, new in the box, never been touched. Um, those are going to be worth the most. But if, if you're someone who's just to try something, you know, whatever, I started with very like roughed up used things and just started to grow. And then I started to understand that you want to look for things that are perfect and in condition um, because then they'll be worth something for the rest of the time. So you can always sell later on or like me, try to start a museum. Let me go back to something because Marilyn, yes, I have seen some auctions where people are like, this belonged to Marilyn. This was a dress that belonged to him. And yes, I have seen some very fake things. The one thing you want to do when you're looking for celebrities things is um, look for some type of authentication. Like I will look for receipts because like, for instance, Marilyn, she saved every single piece of paper last few years of her life. So you can find receipts for like lipsticks she bought. I look for any picture I can find of somebody holding something. If you're going to buy an outfit, you, the most iconic would be like the happy birthday dress or the subway dress. Just speaking of Marilyn, for instance, because you can see that in a picture, but there were actually two of those dresses. So the, the, of the white dress, but there's just, you have to authenticate when you're buying actual celebrity, try to, to the first thing is to get a picture receipt. And then for me, it was always if it was used, because even Amy Winehouse, I have a couple of pictures of some of the products I have of hers. But some of the stuff there is no picture. But I, I heard from someone who sold her a cherry lip liner from Mac, and I have a cherry lip liner. So there's some authentication there. That's a little bit trickier. And and anyway, if anybody's celebrities makeup comes up, I'm gonna buy it. So I don't think anybody has to worry about that. I'm gonna get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I everyone just back it. off. <laughs> it's Aaron's. Yeah. It's Aaron's. One of my so one of the um, makeup artists I follow on Instagram, she does vintage shopping. So she'll go to estate sales a lot, and she will show like what she's picking up or what's featured there. And one of her most recent videos, she talked about how she went to this estate sale and it's truly one of the last old Hollywood estate sales. Like this, the line was through the neighborhood because we're coming to a time where you're not going to be able to get some of these artifacts essentially anymore. Do you ever worry about running out of things to collect will there ever be another Marilyn Monroe product that I can you know grasp like I I, I feel like because you're so obsessed with it I would constantly be thinking like oh my god it, what if what if there's nothing else to obtain you know it's funny because you I remember how I said I'd lost my train of thought and you were asking me about like makeup things we should you know sort of that you can go to the past about and things that today what I would suggest to people <laughs> When someone passes on, don't throw away their makeup. It actually could be worth a lot of money at auction or like even, you know, if you if you lose a, a relative or something, their makeup was so close to them. Keep their makeup, you know, for yourself, for their perfume. So that, that was something I was going to touch on and I, and I had lost my train of thought. But um, yeah, it's it's actually, I'm not so concerned with running out of things to collect. Um, I'm more concerned with running out of money <laughs> because it's not so expensive. And the more I talk, the more expensive it seems to get. If I talk about something in a video and it gets a million views and then I see it come up and get an auction, it goes for like a lot more money. And so then I'm like, dang it, why did I do that? So, you know, I don't, I, I saw, so I, I talked about all Marilyn's um, products and the things I won. And one of the things I won was a pencil that I saw she is in a picture she's using on her beauty mark. There were two pencils that came up at auction. And one of those pencils, it was sold that day that I was at the auction for around 3000 
Five months later, this person, whoever bought it, decided to sell again, and it went for $6,000. And I'm sure everything Marilyn goes up in price, but I'm sure I have a lot to do with that because I'm constantly talking about her makeup and, and things I've won. And so, yes, I, I'm more so worried about money <laughs> running out. But also, I think for me, it's like, I think it... If, if you're someone out there who wants to collect, try, you know, you want to, don't do like I did. Don't go, oh, well, you know, I found this lipstick, so now I want every one of those lipsticks. Oh, this compact, I want. try to specialize in something. I know one woman who only collects Scaparelli. That's her main thing. That's all she wants. That's what she looks for. And she's got the biggest Scaparelli collection. I know Daniel Roseberry. She has more than even Scaparelli has. So try to specialize in one thing. And even if it is a certain celebrity, you know, sometimes these auctions still come up. I'll see people will sell their products years later. You know, maybe they're just like ready to move on. Maybe they want someone else to enjoy it. Maybe they need the money. So you may still see those things come up. And that's why I was able to get the Maryland stuff. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not so worried about it. Not um, because there's so much of it. I just, I just wish like celebrities, they would have like, people would save celebrities makeup but they probably most people go oh it's a used lipstick let me throw that in the trash and i'm like no i want that <laughs> yeah um okay before we get into the speed round i want to ask you about the now what gets you excited currently about the state of the makeup industry or maybe even just makeup content what is like what's getting your juices flowing what are you excited about yeah i think you know like for me long gone are the days of the like Push, pushing products in a way. Although I, I enjoy all makeup content, but my favorite, like I love watching some of the really creatives that are out there nowadays. They're so amazing. Um, I was trying to think of some names like S. Antoinette on Instagram. Um, F. Berman, I think is what she goes by on Instagram. Sweet Mutuals. They're, oh my God, there's so many of these kids. They just do the most cool, crazy, wild makeup. Anna Takahashi. They're amazing. So what I love to see is super full on creativity, whether they do it on themselves, whether they do it on other people, seeing like, you know, like Doja Cat's looks and things like that. Like, I love to see that people are getting wildly creative because if you look at the past and I said things are cyclical, a lot of times when you watch TikTok or you watch um, Instagram or YouTube, you, you see the same things over and over again, or people will do a trend over and over again. But it's kids like this, the super creative kids that are doing things very differently. And I think social media is allowed for that because they can sit and play on their own face. It's a lot harder when you have 10 minutes to do some model space that you've got to get on set. So we can't always be as creative as we want. But these kids, like they're like allowing us to dream and it's it's really like visually stimulating. So that that's my favorite thing in the beauty industry now. Full on creativity, wild, wild stuff. So I love seeing that. Someone asked me that question yesterday and I said Doja Cat. Doja Cat is what gets me excited lately. She, yeah. I, she reminds me a lot of Lady Gaga in her earlier years in a way, like extremely theatrical. And when she's showing up to these award shows or to these events – you're never bored. She's not a, she the thing is she's not afraid very similar to you. She's not afraid to not look pretty. Yeah, I I felt the same way. I thought she's kind of given us what like Lady Gaga did like a visual feast for the eyes. And and that's what we need. I was I get so bored even with magazines and everything nowadays like we need something to to look at and I like that she is not afraid but I like sometimes I'll see people be like, "Wow, you know, Doja Cat's, you know, amazing for this, but like let's give credit to to the artists that are behind her because she's allowing herself to be the muse and she's allowing those artists to be full-on creative i know laurel charleston i think is his name obviously pat did something really amazing with her there's a few artists that work with her that are are really doing some major things so kudos to them for for being so creative too okay quick speed round you mentioned some great drugstore beauty products that are super affordable like revlon for instance but what is your must-have drugstore product that you recommend to every single person Ooh, this is a speed round how could i well i honestly i would say maybelline mascara because you know what <laughs> you never have to spend a lot of money on mascara and they have so many they're all so so good and they all do something for like you want long lashes if you want thick lashes if you want curled lashes and you never really have to spend more than ten dollars i know they work because i've been using them on ad campaigns since 2017 even with my expertise of making that lash look good I know that they're all good mascaras. So I would say Maybelline mascara. 
<laughs> Do you have a dream client you haven't worked on but would love to? I kind of feel like we just talked about her. I would say if I was going to work with anybody, I wanted to be someone that's going to let me really be creative and turn them into a character. Um, I love like what Doja Cat's doing, but really what I, uh, what I want to do, my dream is more like taking like you and my friends and people and really giving them a character on like my YouTube channel. And so I want to expand that kind of world. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, <laughs> I, I, please. I, I, feel like celebrities sort of defined me for so long. I didn't even have a name. It was like Gigi Hadid's makeup artist. And it was like, oh, like I, mm. I think I want people to see like the talent behind it and not just like a name. So I want to you know, use my friends and show like what we can do. <laughs> for you personally, I hate the cliche of Desert Island beauty product, but if there is one product that you were told this is the only product you can use for the rest of your life, what would it be? Charlotte Tilbury Pillow Talk Lip Liner. <gasps> You and me both. Oh my God. It's the only product that I will buy six of every single time. And then when I get down to the nub, I buy six more. It is like my forever. Weirdly, I did love Trap today, but I almost always do Charlotte Tilbury Pillow Talk. It's it's definitely my favorite lip liner of all times. Same. And I, I used to be like an OG Pillow Talk girl, but I recently got into Medium and Medium is great too. Yeah, I have that too. I, I like, feel like I have every lip liner she makes. I really like that formula, but I just think Same. with my skin tone, like that color is just like the perfect color. And I could Amazing. do nothing else on my face. And if my lips are like a little overlined, I'm like, I feel better. Uh, I'd like to have mascara and an eyelash curler too, but if I can only have one. Woman after my own heart. <laughs> we'll talk. give you both. We'll give you both. We'll give you the, the <laughs> mascara, the curler, and the lip liner. There you go. <laughs> three things. Erin, this was so fun. Thank you for coming on. I know you are like the busiest woman in the world and you know, have so much going on, but I truly am obsessed with you and everything that you're doing online. I love that you share this magic of makeup with everyone. So where can everybody find you? I'm on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. It's all Erin Parsons makeup. And thank you. This was really fun. I love talking makeup. (laughs) That's great. All right, that's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back on Tuesday with the week's most buzzy beauty news. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts. I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.